This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Eating processed food for every meal isn't healthy for people or for dogs. We all know that. And kibble is subject to multiple rounds of high heat processing, making it an ultra processed food. The farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. My dog, Barnaby, loves the farmer's dogs. When he sees me pulling one of those packets out, he comes running. It's personalized, vet-developed, and it has recipes for as little as $2 a day. Meals arrive in pre-portion, ready-to-serve packs, and they're conveniently delivered on whatever schedule works for me. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. That's 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we discuss ideas for how to make our lives happier, healthier, more creative, and more productive. This week, we'll talk about why we should ask for a favor or opportunity in the right way. And we'll talk to writer Julie Lithcott-Hames about her terrific new book, Your Turn, How to Be an Adult. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. You guessed it, I'm still in my home office right here in New York City, and joining me today from Puerto Rico is my sister Elizabeth Kraft. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer temporarily living in Puerto Rico, and Gretch, I am on the beach. Uh, okay, well... On the Beach in Puerto Rico paints one picture of reality. Alyssa, <laughs> maybe you need to give us a little bit more detail so that we have a more accurate idea of how you are actually spending your days. Yes, it sounds very glamorous, <laughs> but I assure you it is not. I'm here with my writing partner and co-host of Happier in Hollywood, Sarah, and we are doing a remake of Fantasy Island for Fox, and we are yeah. shooting here And our days are spent working, not lounging on the beach, but we at least are able to do a lot of our work on a patio next to the beach. So we can hear tropical birds as we're writing late into the night. Over the (laughs) click-clack of your your keyboard keys. There's the the rush of the waves. (laughs) <laughs> yes, but I Puerto Rico is beautiful. I highly recommend it to anyone um, p- for post-pandemic vacationing. We, of course, are having to wear our masks, which is very sweaty, um, but yeah. safety first. Safety first. And now, Elizabeth, our try this at home tip for this week is to ask for a favor or opportunity in the right way. And I got this idea from a memoir that I just read by Valerie Condos Field called Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance, which is by legendary coach of UCLA's women's gymnastics team. And she's often called Miss Val, I learned. Um, And this comes from her book. 
Rich, I have to ask, that doesn't sound like your usual reading material, <laughs> women's gymnastics. How did you come upon this? Well, I, yeah, I always try to go like read outside the box. And I am also looking for proverbs of the professions. And so I was talking to a friend about that. And she happened to be a super successful, highly competitive gymnast. And she said, oh, you know, coaches often have great aphorisms of mm. proverbs. And she told me about this book and about Ms. Val. So turns out Ms. Val is this extraordinary figure. She has this extraordinary track record for success. So many wins. She also was known for her choreography. Apparently, anytime a routine goes viral, it's because it's one of hers. Mm. And what my friend said, um, and it really comes through in the book, is that she's very focused on kindness and integrity and on the true well-being of athletes. And my friend was saying how she really worked to set athletes up for success for life beyond gymnastics. Because with such an intense sport, or anytime you do something so intensely, sometimes people can get lost after they're not part of that demanding routine. Yeah. I mean, she was very focused on that. And all this came through in the memoir. So what does Miss Val say about asking for an opportunity or a favor in the right way? Yes. Now, I thought this was very useful uh, to just about everyone. She wrote, here are some of what I consider to be essential qualities of an effective ask. Know what you're asking for before you make the call. Have your request be succinct and clear and be gracious, humble, and appreciative without being apologetic, obsequious, or bullish. Mm. I think that says a lot. Very good advice. Part of it is to be short, be short and clear, because yeah. I think a lot of times people don't want to have long, wandering conversations while you try to work your way up to getting to the point. And also knowing what you're asking for. Yes. It's, it's harder than it seems. Like sometimes yes. people call and they don't know what they want. But if they, mm -hmm. if they know in advance, like for instance, this comes up all the time in, in TV writing because it's a very favor, yeah. people helping people business. So if someone emails and says, hey, can you reach out to this showrunner? I just met with her. I'd love for you to put in a word. Yeah. And here's her email address. Yes, yes, That yes. is a great yes. ask because we go, yes. okay, here's why, here's who it is, and here's how I do it. And we tend to do it immediately. Mm -hmm. But if someone's just like, hey, I'm staffing, I would love some advice. Yes. That's much harder. So the more clear it is, the easier it is to follow through. And then also, I think if it's like, this is an informational interview, like tell people that's what it is so that they're not waiting for you to spring the favor on them. Mm. Somebody once told me, and I think this is really true, is like, let's say there's somebody you haven't been in touch with for a long time and you want to get back in touch with them to ask for a favor. Obviously, that's kind of awkward. They're, that it's almost better. And I, I have to say, I do this myself to say, hey, I'm reaching out because I've got to ask you for a favor. But I am really sorry that we haven't talked. So right. once we get through this, I would love to hear about what's going on. Because otherwise, people are just like, you're not, it just makes them kind of feel suspicious. Yes. I feel like. They see through that quickly. They do. And everybody gets it. We've all been there. Like, you can really have affection and good memories of somebody and just yeah. not have taken the time to get in touch with them. And now you're asking for a favor. But again... What are you asking for? Be succinct, be clear. Don't feel like you have to include huge amounts of chit-chat. And, yes. and Because the person might be like, okay, what, what is this all about anyway? Yes. Now, she also adds something. Once you get an answer, whether yes or no, keep your response short. And this is important. If it's a no, don't argue. 
She says that people don't owe you an explanation. And if you're not argumentative, you can ask again later. Mm. And I thought that was a really, really good point. Yes. Yes. Leave that door open to ask again. Yes. There's nothing worse than somebody just not taking no for an answer. Yeah. I think you just have to be very mindful that people want to be helpful, but they often may have very limited time. And that brings up another point that she makes that I thought was very, very wise. She said, after the ask comes the nudge. And Ms. Val points out that just because someone has agreed to do something, and even if they intend to do it, they may not remember to do it. And so you should put yourself on the other person's shoes And you might say something like, hello, I imagine you've been swamped. I was wondering if you've been able to give more thought to what we discussed. And she says, don't push too hard. Or they may just say like, hey, sorry, turns out I can't do it after all. So you want to be persistent, but not so persistent that they're just like, look, it's not worth my time. I just need to get this person out of my hair. Yeah, Sarah and I always tell people in these situations, like, you have to nag us because mm. we will not read that. We're going to tell you we'll read this script in the next week, <laughs> but likely we won't. And so you have to yeah. nag us and keep uh. nagging us. And so we give permission to nag. Oh, I think that's great. Well, and here's like a drive-by hack of something I realized is that if you think you might need to nudge somebody, which is probably like 100% of the time, unless they're like, oh, I'm writing the email right now, which sometimes people do, which I think is great. Decide when you think a nudge is appropriate right at that moment and mark your calendar that says like nudge Elizabeth, because when the moment comes, you will start, if you're like me, to say like, oh, let me give them one more day or it's only been a week. Maybe that's not enough. Because it is awkward mm-hmm. uh, and uncomfortable to nudge that you're looking to get to sort of procrastinate and hope that will just resolve itself. After a certain point, it's probably unlikely they might need the nudge. They may be counting on the nudge, just like you and Sarah are counting on the nudge. I think some people are like, well, if, if you really care, you'll remind me. Exactly. If you don't really care, then I'll just let it go and then I will have saved myself a little bit of effort. So I think if you mark it on the calendar, you've sort of decided in a cool head what's appropriate. And then you don't have the decision fatigue of battling with yourself about like, is it today? Is it tomorrow? Maybe I should wait till Monday. Maybe I should wait for the beginning of the month. There's a a million reasons to delay. That's a great hack. It's funny, Gretchen, because we're talking later about how to be an adult. And this is asking for something in the right way is definitely part of being an adult. Huge, huge. Asking for a favor, asking for an opportunity. It's, it's, it's a really important thing to think about and to do. So let us know if you do try this at home and your ideas about how to ask for a favor or opportunity in the right way. If you have some strategies or suggestions, let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes. This is happiercast.com slash 321 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we have one of our favorite types of hacks, a clutter clearing hack. But first, this break. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team And hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else 
even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flowknit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. And now for a happiness hack. It is still springtime, so if people are in the mood to do some spring cleaning, we wanted to offer an excellent clutter hack. And this comes from Janet. She says, I must like abundance because when looking at an individual vase or an old towel, I can always come up with a reason to keep it. Yet I like my home to be neat and tidy. Asking myself if I've used the item or it doesn't spark joy are not helpful questions for me. Here's how I strike the balance. I determine how much space I have in my home for a particular type of item. If it's vases, it's one shelf and one cabinet. I will try to cram as many vases in there as I can. (laughs) Then one day someone will send me flowers or gift me a vase and I can't close the cabinet door anymore. I take all the vases out of the cabinet and set them on the floor slash table. I wipe down the inside of the empty cabinet. Then I pick up my very favorite vase and put it back in the cabinet. Then I put my next favorite neatly beside it and then the next favorite, etc. When the cabinet is neat and full, all the vases on the floor table go to the Goodwill. This method works much better for me than evaluating individual items. I have done this with holiday decorations. I'm only going to store two bins of Halloween decorations and clothes, only one sock drawer. Well, I really like this because it's it's using space as the way, as the factor. So she starts with her favorite and then goes from there. And then once it's full, it's full. I think that's a, that's a, a different approach that I can see for some people would minimize the decision fatigue. Because t- by the time you get your deep into your vases, you're like, yeah, I've got plenty of vases that I like better. This is a good um, hack for me to use with mugs, Gretchen. I should adopt this because I'll... Yes. I'll keep adding a shelf and I should just say this many shelves for mugs and that's it. Yeah. And then the ones that don't make the cut, don't make the cut. Also, Janet mentioned that she likes abundance and that's a reference to a distinction that we've talked about between abundance lovers like Janet and simplicity lovers like me. Like I like an empty shelf, an empty cabinet. I will post a link in the show notes if you want to read more about abundance lovers um, and simplicity lovers. I also talk about that in Outer Order, Inner Calm. Yes, for anyone trying to clear clutter, Gretch, that 
That's a manual. Yes, yes. And if you want the Outer Order Intercall Manifesto, we do love a manifesto, you can go to GretchenRubin.com slash resources and scroll down to Outer Order Intercalm, and you can download it there. And then you can also get any information about the book if you're curious. So what a great hack. Thank you, Janet. And now for an interview with Julie Lithcott-Hames. For more than a decade, Julie Lithcott-Hames served as the Dean of Freshman and Undergraduate Advising at Stanford. And like me, she is also a former lawyer. She's written several books, such as the New York Times bestseller called How to Raise an Adult, Break Free of the Overparenting Trap and Prepare Your Kid for Success, which grew out of her TED Talk, which has more than 5 million views. She's also written a memoir that we cannot wait to read called Real American and a book of writing prompts called Writing Memoir. She has a new book that just hit the shelves, Your Turn, How to Be an Adult. Welcome, Julie. Hi, Julie. Hi, Gretchen. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's so fun to talk to you. Now, where are you in the world? I am in Northern California, San Francisco Bay Area, Silicon Valley, Palo Alto, in my backyard, in my she shed. Oh, yeah. oh, nice. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, we're so excited to talk to you about this book. I love this subtitle, by the way, How to Be an Adult. I feel like I need that T-shirt. Now, <laughs> this is, you wrote a best-selling book called How to Raise an Adult. Yes. And the subtitle of this new book is How to Be an Adult. So how did the two books fit together in your mind? The first book was born out of my decade as a dean at Stanford University, right up the road from me, where my job was to root for young adults who were trying their darndest to make it forward on their path in life. And in that role, I saw a number of parents who were micromanaging their sons and daughters. Um, even though they were quite capable in many respects, parents were doing this kind of helicoptery micromanaging parenting still, even when the child, quote, was 18 to 22 years old. So that was really mm. the basis for the first book. Oh, by the way, Julie, I got to tell you that a friend of mine was an undergraduate who you connected with, and she said you made a big difference to her experience at Stanford. So anyway, that's just like a little drive-by gold star for you. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a rough morning, so I needed that gold star. Thank you so much. So I guess my advocacy for young adults is what made me write a book ostensibly about parenting, how to raise an adult, but I had just dialed back to the source of the problem. Mm -hmm. I was rooting for young adults all along. So this mm -hmm. other book, which is really my third book, I have a memoir on race in between, um, yep. Your Turn, How to Be an Adult, is me continuing to root for young people to have agency, to develop resilience, to develop good character, and make their way forward, and ultimately define success on their own terms in this one wild and precious life, quoting the late poet Mary Oliver. So I think the point is, it was never really about parenting. It was always about mm -hmm. rooting for young adults. Mm -hmm. This is just uh -huh. a, re a reframe of who the audience of the book is. Yeah, exactly. And what does it mean to be an adult? That's a huge question, obviously. <laughs> but if you boil it down, what does it mean, yeah. Julie? Well, two things come to mind. First, uh, adulting is just the stage of life between childhood and death, okay? I'm serious, <laughs> yeah. okay? Th these two bookends are childhood and the end of life. In childhood, we are literally carried in somebody's body, then carried on their shoulder, then carried on their hip, then held by the hand, okay? Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, they let our hands go and we can go off on our own. And then the end of life, unless it comes abruptly, we are typically in the care of others who are more hale and hearty than we are. 
So adulting mm-hmm. is this sweet set of decades, we hope, in which we're healthy and able to be in charge of ourselves. And what does that mean? It's you know fending for the basics, but more importantly, in addition to learning the basics, it's wanting to and having to. There's a baked in sense of I'm accountable. It's on me. And yes, that's mm-hmm. terrifying, but it's also delicious to be the one who gets to decide what do I want to do for work? Where do I want to live? With whom do I want to fall in love? Where do I find a sense of belonging and a sense of identity and community? We're in charge of ourselves in our adult years. And that's what this book is trying to entice young people who are reluctant to step into it. I'm trying to say, yes, yes, it is. I know you think it's scary, but wait, wait, just you wait. It is the most beautiful time of life. Yeah, and that theme comes through so strongly in the book. Um, and one way, uh, you have like many ways of sort of framing and getting at that idea because uh, it is such a big idea. And one aphorism, because I love aphorisms, one I loved was this one. Maybe you can expand on this. You say, don't wait around for a sign that it's time to start. I think that applies to adults throughout adulthood. All ages. Yeah, exactly. don't wait for a sign that it's time to start. So why is that in there? It's in there because millennials for a good 12, 15 years now have been saying, I don't want to adult. I'm scared to adult. Mm. Adulting is hard. As if there's a starting line, you know, and they're sort of standing behind it with trepidation. Mm. My point is, no, you are actually in it. You are, Mm. it is now, it is on. Don't wait. There isn't, it isn't linear. There isn't a starting gun. There isn't applause yeah. at the end. There is no end until you get to the end of your life, right? This is a process. It is a way of being. It is as much in your spirit and your soul and your brain as, um, as anything else. It is more that than anything else. It is that deep knowing that it's on me and I can. And that no one else is going to start the gun for you, too. The trouble is some parents these days are kind of holding the gun. They're like, I'm not going to fire this gun, right? They're metaphorically still Mm kind of hanging around with you at the starting line because they're not so sure you're ready or capable. Uh, Or parents are like, well, maybe I should help. Why don't I run this leg with you? Why don't I, you know, right? I'm trying to stick with this metaphor I just created in my mind in the last 10 (laughs) seconds. But there is lately an over-involvement of parents in the lives of children who become adolescents and then teens and then young adults. And adults, if parents don't crave they're young ones getting out there and trying to take care of business on their own. They can actually impede their kids' forward momentum. Well, it's interesting because, like, I still want my parents' approval, even though I'm well into adulthood. Both of us, yeah, yeah. both of us <laughs> do. Too. And if I if I don't think they'll approve, I'm very hesitant to do something. And I think, like, letting go of that to me is one of the biggest struggles I have in adulthood. I do too. I mean, I say in the book, um, when my father died 25 years ago, and when when friends who knew him or or know what I went through when I lost him, when they say on Facebook, you know, today, great job, Julie, your dad would be so proud. I get tears in my eyes. I'm still looking for the approval of this daddy who has been gone for more than half my life. 
You know, another thing that I so appreciated in the book is this embracing of failure and not being so risk averse that you can't do anything or so perfectionist. And you had this, this, you have this list of beautiful, life's beautiful F words, failing, falling, faltering, flailing, floundering, fumbling. I like, <laughs> what a great list. So it's like, embrace it. Absolutely. And I learned that the hard way. I was this perfectionist who needed to please mm. others and just mm. desperately afraid of being wrong. And I, uh, over time, came to appreciate that perfectionism is the enemy of greatness and goodness. Mm -hmm. um, it is just this <laughs> thing that eats away at you and makes you feel continually inadequate. Or you become this incredibly annoying person around others, right? You have to be a perfectionist and they can't stand you because you're so annoying. The, the far better way to be <laughs> is, you know, let me take what Carol Dweck calls a growth mindset. Let me approach this one life as an opportunity to learn and grow. Therefore, every task I take on, every new endeavor, every new opportunity is a chance for me to be a beginner, to try it out, to stumble and pick myself back up, to learn and grow. And then we can relax into the process. And it's, it's less about judgment and more about skill acquisition and it's kinder. It's also how things get done. And here in Silicon Valley at the D school at Stanford and just more broadly here in the tech entrepreneur community, they talk about you got to fail your way forward. Mm -hmm. There's a bias mm. to action. Even in improv, yes. they say, just start yeah. somewhere, you know, forget about it being perfect and all sewn up and buttoned up. Just try. And I think that's a huge theme of this book. Try, you will yes. fail. That's totally normal. You're not perfect. Get <laughs> over it. Even Sir Davos and Game of Thrones said to Jon Snow, you know, great job. You failed. Go fail again. Yeah, I love the Game of Thrones references. Yeah. <laughs> so, Julie, as you've been talking about this issue, what do you think is resonating the most? What issues people are kind of most struggling with as they try to adult? Yeah. So the book has been out for less than, well, just over a week. And so mm. I, am, I am newly listening to how people are resonating. Mm. Uh, uh, it is for those who actively articulate, I can't, I don't want to, I'm scared to. So it tends to be the younger set. But of course, plenty in the older set are like, oh, this book is for me. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> I know older people who have left jobs, completely pivoted after reading this book, because this book knocks at the door of your soul and says, what do you want out of this life? Mm -hmm. Why are you not doing that? Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have this insistent mantra about find your voice, drown out the cacophony in your head. That is the expectations of other people, judgment, expectations, opinions, stop listening to their voice in your head and listen and listen for your own. And the better you get at it, the more you'll hear it. Then you have to give yourself permission to honor what it says. Go, go, mm -hmm. go. Well, so in the book, you talk about a lot of these like very big questions that we all need to grapple with. Um, but we do like to ask folks who come on the podcast, do you have like a concrete, try this at home, something that listeners could try, you know, starting tomorrow to make themselves happier, healthier, more productive, more creative? Is there something you do or something you recommend? Absolutely. So the, the answer here surrounds humans. I think our human relationships are key mm -hmm. to our happiness. Yeah. And I'm going to yes. draw on episode 313 here. <laughs> in which you told people about help people to not disappoint you. Okay. So set in mm. that context of yeah. episode 313. Okay. My try this at home is we have to get better at asking for what we need and, and helping mm -hmm. people not disappoint you is definitely in that realm. So 
My tip is if you're a young person, you want to have a tough conversation with your parents about what you want to major in, where you want to go to school, what you want to do for work, who you're in love with, what your identities Mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. Seek out what I call your trusted others, Um, an auntie, an uncle, a parent's best friend, but someone you're also close to. Another Mm -hmm. adult who loves you unconditionally and your parents respect and admire. Tell that trusted other your news first and ask them Mm -hmm. to have your back because you're about to have the more difficult conversation with a set of parents Mm. whose approval you seek, whose disappointment and rejection may come. You need that trusted other to have your back, to be ready to be there on the other end of the phone when the parents call, you're not going to believe what Susie said, Mm. right? They're going to have your back. Uh You prep them in advance. They love you unconditionally. They're rooting for you to make your way forward. They're going to go to bat for you and help you ultimately smooth that path with the parents who need to really come on board with what it is you're trying to do. And maybe it's yes. sort of a practice conversation too. Like it you is. become better at explaining what things that might be super emotional, very, very charged with the stakes are lower. Maybe it's easier to go through that. That's right. As you say to some, this is such a, that's yeah. such a good idea. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. We all need that. We all need those people. Mentors is another term, yeah. but I use the term trusted others because I, I like trusted mm, other yeah, better. Yeah. It's yeah. bigger. Yeah. 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 And Julie, we have to ask, of course, what is your tendency? (laughs) Well, I love taking self-assessment quizzes, (laughs) um, which I'm sure is embedded in one of the tendencies. Um, I think I was, uh, my results were, I'm an obliger. But to be honest, Mm -hmm. I think I was obliging as I did the quiz. Um, Mm -hmm. To be honest, I I know that I'm also a rebel. I definitely Mm -hmm. have rebel tendencies. I think Mm -hmm. I'm an obliger rebel masquerading as an upholder. Um, Mm -hmm. And the lawyer in me, I used to be a lawyer and it was all about questioning. So I'm a mess or I'm a melange. I'm a little bit of everything. What have you got for me? Well, you know, I have to say, Julie, having read your book, which is very personal, you tell many personal stories from your own life and your own experience, your own challenges. I think that analysis is spot on just from what I read in your book. I think that sounds like a good assessment. So I hope that's useful. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Julie, it's been so great to talk to you. Congratulations on the book just hitting the shelves. Um, It's so fun. Thank you so much for having me. I love listening to you, love being with you. And thanks for doing this podcast. It helps people. Um, Bye-bye. Bye. Coming up, I've got a Puerto Rico-related gold star, but first, this break. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. As your kids get older, some things about parenting get easier. They can dress themselves. They can clean up after themselves, allegedly. Other things don't, like having conversations about money. The fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money unless they're actually in charge of it. That's where Greenlight can help. 
Greenlight is a debit card and money app made for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Yeah, Jack has green light. And one thing I love is that it includes a chores feature where you can set up one time or recurring chores and reward kids with allowance for a job well done. Gretchen, we used to mow the lawn. How much more motivated would we have been if we'd had funds deposited when we completed the hut chore? Mm-hmm. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash happier. That's greenlight.com slash happier to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash happier. Okay, Gretchen, it is time for demerits and gold stars. And this week you are up with a happiness demerit. You know, I suspect that this is a repeat demerit. I can't remember, (laughs) but whether it's a repeat or not, I I still have earned this demerit. And that is that I rewatch TV shows instead of watching things that I know I would love. And Elizabeth, Mm. you are not a rewatcher. You are not a rereader. So this is is something that probably doesn't make sense to you. But I love to rewatch and I love to reread. And and yet I know that I should expand my horizons (laughs) and expose myself to new ideas and new things. And that's how I find new things that I love. And I was thinking about this because, I mean, for months, I've been trying to watch the Fran Lebowitz documentary, uh, Pretend It's a City on Netflix. But instead, I rewatched Game of Thrones or I rewatched The Office. It's just, I guess I just want something that's easy. Here's my advice. Yes, what? Well, it just if you just say I'm going to watch five minutes and then give myself permission to turn it off if it feels like I need the comfort of rewatching. Because I guarantee if you watch five minutes of the Fran Lebowitz series— You'll want to keep watching. Well, maybe part of it is also just a cognitive challenge of hunting down a television show. Like the office right. in Game of Thrones, I know because I've watched yes. them so much. It's like click, 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 click. But then it's like, what? what is it on? What streaming platform is it on? Yeah. And then somebody's like deep into some shows. So you have to go back, back, back. Yeah, a lot of it is just the inconvenience. So, yes, you're right. I think if I did that, that would solve my problem. Okay. My sister, the sage, just mm-hmm. solved my problem. I will report back. Alicia, it's gold star. What gold star are you giving this week? Okay, Gretch, I have to give a big gold star to Sarah's daughter, Violet. So Sarah, mm. as I say all the time, is my writing partner and my co-host of Happier in Hollywood. And her daughter, Violet, is eight years old, and she is with mm. us in Puerto Rico. She mm. was just with Sarah in Minnesota for almost eight months. She's been dealing with the pandemic this whole time. And Violet is just such a trooper. I mean, Mm -hmm. it just doesn't phase her whatsoever that we are, you know, moving to this hotel in Puerto Rico and that she has to do all of her classmates are mostly back for at least part time, you know, learning. Mm. And she's still on Zoom and she's fine with that. She's just such a trooper. And it's just I admire her spirit of adventure and just going with it. So anyway, big gold star to Violet, because rather than being like a kid who were just like worried, is she okay? We're actually yeah. just watching her thrive. And it's just very fun. Excellent. Gold star to Violet. The resources for this week. If you are trying to make or break a habit, you can download my checklist for habit change. Um, this is a one page chart that will help you use the many strategies for habit change, the 21 strategies, um, as you work on a crucial habit for yourself. So if you go to GretchenRubin.com slash resources and scroll down to better than before, you can get that. 
Also, we were talking to Julie about uh, the tendencies. If you want to find out what your tendency is, if you're an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, a rebel, I have a free quiz online to help you figure that out. That's what Julie took to find out what she was. Um, You can go to quiz.gretchenrubin.com. Or if you've already taken the quiz and you want to go deeper, you can check out my Four Tendencies course. You can learn more at courses.gretchenrubin.com slash 4TC. And what are we reading this week? Gretch, I am still reading A Tale for the Time Being by Ruth Ozeki, and I'm also reading How Y'all Doing by <laughs> Leslie Jordan. We are talking to him next week. I'm a big Leslie Jordan fan. In fact, yes. I gave him a gold star for his Sunday hymns on Instagram yeah. uh, a couple months ago. What are yes. you reading? I am reading Amy Tan's memoir called Where the Past Begins, a writer's memoir. I love writer's memoirs, so that's great. Remember, read 21 and 21. Hashtag (laughs) read 21 and 21. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Ask for a favor or opportunity in the right way. Let us know if you tried it, if it worked for you, and what did you do to ask for that favor or opportunity in the right way. Thanks to our wonderful guest, Julie Lithgott-Hames. Her book is Your Turn, How to Be an Adult. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter, at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Kraft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us. Rate us and review us. We love getting those five-star reviews. We love gold stars, as you know, and those reviews really help listeners to find us. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Gretch, can you believe my backdrop while we're recording this? The sand and the palm trees and the ocean? I know. It looks, I mean, you're, you may be working frantically all the time, but you certainly have a beautiful setting. Yes, we say it's hell, but it's tropical hell. <laughs> it's a laborious lark. That's right. Can't forget that. From the Onward Project. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth... I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.